0: Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacey Washington. As I said, we accept the findings uh, of the report and the recommendations. We're doing a number of things on that regard. First, we issued a new media policy that's much stricter and much more clear than what had been in place before. Uh, second, we're going to be doing intensive training uh, on exactly those issues, things like the one that you alluded to. That includes contacts with the media. Third, we're going to make painfully clear to everybody that we won't tolerate noncompliance. And then last, I've asked uh, ROPR to take a hard look at whether or not they think the penalties that exist right now are sufficient to deal with that kind of conduct.
1: So we've got a ton of information for you in hour two. Um, FBI Director Ray outlining the steps that the Bureau has taken to address the leaks, which you just heard. So what we're talking about now is why would everybody at the FBI be forced to take uh, a training class if this is an issue that is really centralized to the people who were working on the Hillary email investigation and those who then went on to work? They kind of cross pollinated from the Clinton email investigation. They moved right on over to Mueller's team investigating the Russian collusion. So if that's the case, why, did, why does everyone need stricter media policy and intensive training? Because this is a way of covering everything without really covering anything. So when he approached the podium and he gave this press conference, I watched it on video afterwards. I didn't watch it live. But when I was watching it, I thought, OK, here's the chance for me to see whether or not the things that people tweet about Director Ray are really true, that he's corrupt, that he's, you know, whatever the case might be. And I'm, I'm watching it. And I just got the feeling that his entire reason for coming out there was to defend the FBI. And so at first I thought, wow, he's going to defend the FBI. And then what? And then I realized, well, as the director of the FBI, that's what he should do. I would expect him to make a defense of the FBI and to give them every opportunity to kind of stand up against the scrutiny that they're now under because of this report, because not every FBI agent is guilty of what has been alleged here. In fact, You can really limit it to the people who sent the text messages and the people that received them, the ones who are involved in the communications. So that's a tiny number of people in comparison to the entire organization. But what I didn't hear was him admitting that, you know, he he said, well, some people have to be prosecuted. You know, the people have to be referred. But Strock still works for the FBI, does he not? Why is he still employed? Sorry, what's going on there? So you've got all of this going on. And then you have Representative Jordan, who I'm, I'm aware that uh, there's a campaign in the background for Representative Jordan to be the replacement for Paul Ryan once he serves out his term. And Jordan has been very strong. We have really enjoyed playing clips of him on the program. He's been one of those individuals that he seems very strong on the issues. And I, I, I'm hesitant to get too excited about him because remember how strong Paul Ryan was on the issues? And then he went into leadership and then... I'm not sure who that guy is that that we've been dealing with for the past couple of years. But before that, he was a budget hawk and he was really conservative. Now he's like all about amnesty and open borders, et cetera, et cetera. It's weird. So Representative Jordan went on TV to talk about the IG report and how they found bias. And I just I think he seems like he's the one for the job, the right tool for the job. But we'll see. It's number two.
2: Yeah, Director Director Ray is just not just not accurate because in the report itself, it says we do not have confidence that Strzok's decision was free from bias. What are they referring to? They're referring to Peter Strzok at the end of the Clinton investigation saying, let's focus on Russia and not looking at Anthony Weiner's laptop and stuff that relates to the Clinton investigation. And why is that important, Lou? Because the one text message that we, that was so explosive in this report is the one where Peter Strzok says, we'll stop President Trump from being president, we'll stop him. That, that to me is amazing. So that's the context. And understand that, when, so for, for Director Ray to say that there was, uh, this was free from bias, that is just not accurate. The, the, Mr. Horowitz himself said, we do not have confidence that Strzok's decision was free from bias. In other words, that, that's, that, that's like saying well, this guy had an agenda and we, it's, it's obvious to anyone who, who looks at this in, a, in, a, in, the, in the right way.
1: And he's right. It, it is obvious to anyone who, it, if you're not a partisan, clearly there, there was coordination here. There was work done on behalf of these FBI agents together in unison, on purpose, intentionally, with a certain intent, as their goal, they, they had goals. They had something they wanted to see happen. They wanted to see Hillary Clinton elected. And when she wasn't, they wanted to see Donald Trump prevented from being the president. And when he was the president, they wanted to see him removed. And that is all they've been working on. Not the entire FBI, but them. And I want to connect up some dots here. So, you know, in a number of these recent terror attacks, the, the attack on the Pulse nightclub, which it turns out the shooter at the Pulse nightclub who was of a, a Muslim extraction, and he did it as an act of terror. It turns out he didn't do it because it was a gay nightclub. In fact, while he was in the nightclub, just before he opened fire on the group, he asked one of the security guards where all of the women were. He said, where are all of the women? Why are there only men here? And the, the bouncer said, there hardly are ever any women in here. Like, there are always just a few women. And then he went, retrieved the firearm and started shooting the place up. So he didn't shoot it up because it was a gay nightclub. He shot it up because he was doing terrorism. He was interviewed by the FBI. His father was an informant for the FBI. But that's not all. So in other words, the FBI had contact with this individual and failed to apprehend him to prevent him from doing a terror attack that resulted in the deaths of 50 people and the maiming of injuring of many more. Then there's the interview that they had with the shooter at the church. They also interviewed him. There are the tips that were sent in about the Parkland shooter. They had contact with him. Now, any organization is going to have misses. You know, they're not going to catch every single thing. But if you look at the level of effort that was being directed towards getting rid of the president, preventing him from being elected, et cetera, et cetera, and then you look at the mishaps that have occurred that have resulted in the loss of life of people, human beings here in this country, it doesn't look like the FBI's hands are as clean as possibly we would want them to be. You see what I'm saying there? These things are not happening by themselves. They're happening together. It means something that the FBI had this kind of, it's corruption when career appointees, career officials are working to prevent one person from being elected or working to make sure someone else is elected when their job is investigating crime. That is outside of what they're supposed to do, and it's corrupt for them to be using any form of communication to execute that. We're not talking about people talking about get, get out the vote drives or we're going to go hand out pamphlets for Hillary in our free time. Did you know that it is actually illegal for FBI agents if you're driving your FBI-issued vehicle, the vehicle that you use to drive around to investigate whatever, do, whatever you have to do in your FBI work, if you take that vehicle after work and drive to Walgreens to pick up a prescription, that can get you a 30-day suspension. That's illegal. You can't use your FBI-issued vehicle to go pick up your prescriptions at Walgreens. That's how serious they take on the job time and the separation between the use of government assets and your private work, your private business, your private time off the job. So if that's the case, if, if just driving your vehicle to the Walgreens after work instead of parking it and getting in your own car and taking it over to Walgreens is such a major infraction to them, then how are we not seeing the nature of this current investigations findings for the seriousness that it is for it is serious that this has happened and so I I I was looking at at that you know over the course of reading and trying to absorb as much as I could about the story it just became so clear to me that these things are connected and so I'm not saying that the same agents who are named agents one through five who are unnamed at this point, or Lisa Page and Peter Strzok, that they're the ones who dropped the ball on the Pulse nightclub and the Parkland shooting. I'm not saying that. But I am saying an organization that has this kind of rotten, stinking behavior up at the head and people who are running a major investigation that is a part of our national news story, part of our national conversation in this country, everyone's talking about Hillary Clinton's email server and the fact that she's running for president and if they're going to vote for her or if they're not, if they care about it, if they don't, if you got that kind of corruption going on there, no wonder you have the kind of lax response time and lack of investigation on individuals who ended up killing Americans. No wonder. So what do we want? As Americans, we want to see, you know, the, so Director Ray, he, he's in, in his press conference, he talks about these new procedures, how they're going to limit contacts with the media. Well, of course they are. They've already done that. That's already the rule. As has been pointed out and will continue to be pointed out, they already have rules and procedures in place that govern everything that happened here. The problem is that people knew the rules and they broke them anyway because they felt justified in doing so because they wanted to see Hillary Clinton become the president of the United States. That kind of partisanship has no place in our government. No place in, and and so it doesn't mean you can't be partisan. It doesn't mean you can't be a dyed-in-the-wool Clinton supporter. And why do I keep saying Clinton supporter? Because there weren't any Trump supporters. The IG reviewed millions of documents and didn't find one tweet, one text, one email supporting President Trump. All of it was in support of Hillary Clinton, which means That those people could totally be as partisan as they wanted, but when they walk into the job with their suit on and their FBI badge and they scan into the building, at that moment they're not Hillary supporters, they're FBI agents and everything that, that, that that entails. They swear an oath to do work for the FBI in a certain way. They swear to obey the law. Those processes and procedures that are put in place for them have to be followed regardless of their political affiliation. The fact that these people did that means they have to be prosecuted the same way they would suspend an agent working out in a field office in San Francisco for driving their car to a bunch of different places, their FBI issued vehicle all over the place to run errands or take their kids to and from school. They have to be able to prosecute people who've done what these people have done. They have to be held accountable. Otherwise, what? So you train the people. So he makes them sit through training. They sit for an hour. They sit for two hours. Or maybe it's once a week for the next month. Or they're going to sit through. I'll tell you what the training is most likely going to end up being. Someone in the legal department will get together with their training apparatus. Because they probably have a department that handles training. And they'll go over all of the attendant rules and regulations. They'll have a memorandum that comes from FBI Director Ray's office about what training needs to be implemented. They'll put together a bunch of training modules and the FBI agents will be required to have taken those modules on their government-issued laptop, desktop, whatever. They'll log in with their unique ID. They'll watch the slideshow presentation or video or combination thereof, PowerPoints. They will sign their name on a login sheet saying, this is what I completed all six modules by the date, the deadline, and then they'll move on with their jobs. While the module is playing, I mean, you, you guys, come on, listen, there, there are no children here. We're talking about grown adults. You can have your work laptop up with the module going and hit advance or you can p- hit play and the screens will pass through and you can be watching it intently and taking notes or you can be on your phone Or one of your other numerous computers, working, doing email, finishing grading your your child's homework, making doctor's appointments, cooking dinner. This means nothing. The training means nothing. What means something is indictments, prosecutions. That's what has to happen here. Otherwise, all of this was for naught. Investigation for what? When we get back, we have David Almasi, president of National Center. Stay there.
0: Nearly one in four pregnancies in America will end in abortion. The Ministry of Preborn provides free ultrasounds for abortion-minded women throughout America. When a mother sees her baby on an ultrasound and hears the baby's heartbeat she's 80% more likely to keep her baby.
1: They introduced me to my child for the first time through an ultrasound. I was able to see this life growing inside of me, hear the heartbeat, and nothing else mattered at that point. I wasn't afraid anymore. I got to meet my child for the first time, and it changed everything. I was a mother-to-be.
0: Your gift of $140 will cover the cost of 5 ultrasounds. All donations are tax deductible, and 100% of your gift goes to saving babies. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby, or donate securely at preborn.com. Your love can save a life.
3: Hello, this is Bishop Harry Jackson of Hope Christian Church in Beltville, Maryland. Jesus said, "You would do greater works than he did." Number two, he must stop at Bethel. Bethel is a place where covenant and character transformation happen. Bethel was a place in the book of Genesis that Jacob the manipulator, Jacob the supplanter, Jacob the guy that would lie and twist and cheat and perhaps steal. And he lay down in a place where a ladder went between him and heaven. And he saw the angel of God ascending and descending upon the ladder. And in that place, he said, I'm going to pour out oil on the stone and make this stone a pillar, and here I'm going to vow to bring a tenth of everything I earn. I will call the place called Luz, L-U-Z. I will call it Bethel, the house of God. Luz means almond tree or perverse. It speaks of the place in our character in our lives that we go from our own twistedness, our own iniquity, and that God begins to transform that which is twisted in all of our lives, even if we're believers. And he supplants the twistedness with a God encounter. And in that place where God visits us, it becomes the house of God, and we become the man and the woman of God that we are Supposed to be. Join us this Sunday morning at 6251 Amondale Road in Beltsville or on the web at thehopeconnection.org.
0: Welcome back to Spacey on the Right.
1: Welcome back to the program. Thanks for being with us today. Head over to StaceyOnTheRight.com. Hit the subscribe button. You will be happy that you did. The newsletter is pretty awesome. Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome David Almasi, president of National Center, and uh, also one of the kingpins of our free enterprise project. (laughs) These guys go around the country to the shareholder meetings and confront these CEOs about the fact that they have lost sight of their true goal as CEOs of publicly held companies, which is to earn a profit for shareholders, David, thanks for joining in today.
4: Thanks for having me out, Stacy.
1: all right, so let 's talk about your most recent because you guys have been making major news with this. You and others who work on the project have actually made things happen, like the apology from Joy Behar, which was you know brought up at the shareholder meeting for Disney. Uh, Mr. Iger actually had to be held accountable for what his employee, you know, on down the line, but still his employee, was saying on national television about Christians. And now we have, again, you're making news with this latest foray.
4: Yeah. um, One of the last meetings we're going to go to this shareholder season was me going to Dick's Sporting Goods out in uh, Pittsburgh. And we were calling out their corporate virtue signaling. As your listeners probably know, Dick's was has been probably the loudest business in saying that they're going to stop selling AR-15s, they're going to stop selling certain gun accessories, and they've even reportedly put money, my money as an investor, into lobbyists who are going out and working for gun control issues. And this is kind of strange considering the company is still selling guns, not the AR-15s anymore, but they're still selling guns. And yet, as an investor, I'm hearing that they're, trying to cut their nose off by uh, campaigning against their own products.
1: So if, to recap for the listeners, David is talking about the decision by Dick Sporting Goods after the most recent shooting in Parkland where the children were shot and it was found that the firearm that was used was an AR-15. Dick Sporting Goods decided to remove the AR-15 from their inventory and instead of reselling on the manufacturer's market or on, on the back end to other uh, wholesalers, or simply selling them online from another retailer. They had so many options. They decided to destroy the firearms and then raise the age limit to purchase a firearm in their store and to kind of take an anti-gun stance, which has hurt their bottom line significantly and mean, and which, by extension, shareholders like you, David.
4: Exactly. And the thing they kept on saying, the CEO, uh, Ed Stack, was saying to me, like, we know that people are supporting us we know that people will continue shopping with us because of what we did. And I'm a gun owner and I support them. I pointed out to him, I reminded him both publicly and privately that in their earnings calls, they could only cite sales were down in their hunting division. They couldn't give any circumstantial evidence even that people are going to the stores and buying because of what they did. And I can certainly expect, knowing some of the people I know that are liberal, they may go and say, I'm going to go shop at Dick's. I'm going to tell all my friends to shop at Dick's. They may go over and they buy, buy something once. But the next time they want to make a purchase, they're going to look at location. They're going to look at price. They're going to look at um, what might be available on the web and be more convenient. But they've lost the Dick's. They've lost the hunters. They've lost the gun enthusiasts. They've lost the conservatives who maybe don't even own guns but respect the Second Amendment. And those customers are not going to come back until they change their policy. But what they told me this week was that they're digging in their heels, they're settling down, and they're not going to change their attitude. They're going to be a store that will not sell AR-15s and other things to their customers. And as such, they've, they've paid a heavy price that may end up having to uh, get them out of the gun business entirely.
1: So what are they if they don't sell any guns and hunters and people who buy like coolers? And there's a lot of equipment if you if you're in the listening audience and you've never been to a Dick's or a Cabela's or a Bass Pro Shops. What what I found the first time I went to one was that I was there's a whole world out there that I'm not acquainted (laughs) with. You know, the hunting world, there's so many products for it. And I liken it to. My favorite analogy for being an American is because we, we're, we live in a fixer-upper and we've been remodeling it for over four years, is that there was a, something that was left with the house. It's a pool lounger and it was missing a screw. And my husband said, take the screw out of the other side because he was at work. He said, take the screw out of the other side and take it to Lowe's. And they have a screw finder, screw sizer that hangs on the screw aisle and you can size the screw up and buy replacements. And so I was like, really? So I took myself on a little field trip and I went to Lowe's and I stuck the screw that I had into the screw finder. And I noticed right next to it, they had the American screw size and then they have metric screws because apparently Europeans use a different measurement on their screws, just like they use, you know, centimeters and we use inches. So I found the screw and then I used the key next to the screw thing to find the corresponding place in the aisle where the screw that I was looking for was. And then I bought replacement screws, came home. Screwed them into the little nuts and bolts that were still there. And, and I just stopped for a second in the aisle before I walked out. And I, instead of looking at it the way I normally do, which is I'm so used to going to Lowe's and Home Depot and, and Costco and, and Sam's Club and places like that, that I take it for granted. But I looked up and I saw the goods stacked up into the sky because, you know, these big box stores are like three stories high on the inside. So you look up, mm-hmm. you see the goods stacked to the ceiling. You see the back stock that's up there. I saw there's literally millions of screws in this one aisle of the Lowe's. There's an there's aisle like that at every Lowe's. There's an aisle like that at every Home Depot. And I thought for a second, you know, this is, this is the truest representation of what capitalism is in America, that there, there is no screw that is made that I cannot buy off the shelf within five miles of my home. It doesn't matter what product I have, it could be made in Russia or South Africa somewhere if I have it and I have the screw I can take it to the store and find its replacement this is america and so it's what's funny about that is that it works also with the outdoor world where people who are hunters have all of these things they use and these sporting goods stores provide them these things so they don't have to order it and wait two or three weeks they just walk in with their You know, I need a wheel for my cooler. I need, you know, a replacement water filter. You know, I need something for the tail end of my boat. I need a special replacement piece for my special fly reel for when I go out on my little, you know, speedboat and I fish, whatever it is that they're looking for. And that includes guns and gun accessories because people use the guns to hunt deer and turkey, et cetera, et cetera. So, why would they take themselves out of such a huge market? I mean, a multi-billion dollar stateside market where they had a nice share. How how can they calculate that to work for uh, their bottom line?
4: They can't. That's the problem. I, I, I listened to their earnings calls. They sat there and said, like, all we see is that our hunting sector is going to be hurt for the foreseeable future because of what we did on guns. And then they follow up by saying, well, we think we did the right thing. But when they have a Dix has a set of stores, Field and Stream, which mm-hmm. serves the hunting community. If those people are angry about what they did with the AR-15s, if they're angry about what they're doing with other accessories and advocacy against guns, those stores are dead in the water and potentially going to have to start closing up some of their properties. Uh, because of this virtue signaling, good for the consumer, that's not good for the employee, that's good for the investor. And it's something I tried to get across to the CEO during the meeting and after the meeting. And it was typical liberal virtue signaling and excuse making. And I mentioned he couldn't put his finger on any way of say, proving to me that they were getting more customers or they were retaining customers because of what they did. And so then he went to the usual catch-all. I'm doing it for the kids, And mm. at that point, I just, I said, look, if you're doing this for child safety, if you're removing guns from your shelves for child safety, child safety why are you not also removing football equipment until such time that we can have uh, football rules and things that are not going to put kids in harm of a uh, of, Uh, brain injuries and that just he went crazy he said like how could you bring that up I'm like well it's a safety issue there are hundreds of thousands of kids hurt every year playing sports particularly football he's like oh I guess next thing you're gonna say is is we should take down knives and I'm like if you want to
1: (laughs) that's his that's his that's his thing to say not yours you're not advocating for it that's his next logical step not yours
4: yeah, so he, he, he basically accused me of being Donald Trump because I was going to bring <laughs> up knives, I was going to bring up trucks, those, uh, things that were going to kill kids. Um, but it's a realistic concern that they're going to be hurt, and, and all customers are going to be hurt by things like extreme sporting equipment, the, uh, the football equipment. I watched my nephew get hurt pretty bad in lacrosse two weeks ago. For um, things that really are for the kids. They got to start thinking. Sec- have second thoughts about them if they're going to also have, uh, if they're going to be making uh, the virtue signaling about guns.
1: Mm. Well, it's a good point. So he he was triggered. Your comments triggered him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He was triggered. Ah, good job, yeah. David. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm congratulating you because when they get triggered, the point has been made that. The, usually, exactly. the point making is the triggering thing that's what that 's what sends him over the edge, so he, he, he doesn 't care uh, about it. My exchange
4: was that he asked me if I was going to shop at his stores again, and I said, "Well you know probably not." And he threw his hands up in the air and said, "I walked away
1: <laughs> Now wait, but you 're there not as a shopper you 're there as a shareholder
4: i 'm there as an investor i 'm someone who wants to get a return on my investment. It doesn't necessarily mean I need to shop there, but certainly I should want to shop there as an investor. But at this point in time, I've got a, a Dix at my local shopping mall, but across in one of the uh, other shopping centers, there's a Models that I can go to. And of course, I have a computer sitting a foot away from me that I can use to find pretty much anything else that I want to get.
1: Yeah, and the other thing is, he it, the worst time for him to do this is now when Amazon is eating up all the space. they they have so much money that they can do anything they want. Like, I don't know if I I reported on this yesterday on the show, David, how they're doing these new, it's like an ice cream truck, but it's a specialty truck that is decorated up and they pump bubbles out of it and music and they'll sell you something special from the truck. And if you sign up, which, you know, I just did yesterday. um, They'll, they'll send you a text message to let you know when the truck is near you and they'll tell you what they're selling. You can buy it right there (laughs) on your phone and go pick it up from the truck. And while you're there, with the music and the bubbles and um, they'll sometimes they'll have some samples there for you to eat or some free food. Sometimes the truck has free items. You don't have to buy anything. Just go to where the truck is and get the free item. And it's always parked in a shopping plaza. So in front of the Costco, in front of the, in front of the Dick's sporting goods. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So I'm pointing that out to say, this is the worst time for him to decide to be, you know, like against his bottom line because Amazon is looking at everything other people are doing and everything they're not doing and they're like, oh, we could do that. The craziest mm. idea you've ever heard, a ice cream truck concept for grown ups and apparently it's super popular. Like I'm sitting here, I can't wait for my chance to go. I want to go buy something from the truck too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
4: and this is also not the time to get conservatives angry because conservatives have been on the receiving end of abuse from corporate America and the liberals that are, are pushing them for a long time. And I think that we've finally, we finally seen the sleeping beast awaken. And people don't need to go to Dick's Sporting Goods. They don't need to go to certain stores that are turning them off or are saying bad things about them and, and virtue signaling against them. And I think that your Delta, um, while we're on the gun topic, has said that they've had declining sales because of um, what happened when breaking ties with the NRA. I believe United has taken it on the chin for breaking with the NRA. People have choices, and now who have been reticent before about uh, voting with their wallets are going to start doing it because groups like us are challenging these companies and making them have to take a stand. And there's groups like the NRA and the Media Research Center, and Second Vote that are telling their followers that they should avoid certain companies that are not operating in their best interests, And it's, and it's not as hard as it people. was it's going, to start, it's going to be coming soon.
1: Yeah. You know, David, it's not as hard as it was. Um, and I want to point out that if you, if you like the retail experience and you don't want to buy the thing online that you, you know, the the equipment, whatever it was, or the gun items online, you can go to Bass Pro Shops. They're actually a conservative organization Uh, Their leadership is conservative. And they, Bass Pro Shops, like they have a gun museum in their flagship store, the first store they ever had, which is down in Springfield, Missouri. And that gun museum has like guns from Annie Oakley, real Annie Oakley, like, you know, guns from way back when muskets were the thing. They have a complete timeline of the evolution of guns down there. I actually broadcast from there for uh, one of the NRA radio programs on the opening day of that museum. And my kids and I got to walk around and look at the firearms. They're in glass cases. It is a lovely museum, worth the trip if you're ever in Missouri and you're down there. You, you basically, you're halfway to Branson when you get there, so you might as well go. Um, and it's just an amazing, I mean, it's, it, you're, you're literally, even if you're not a gun nut like me, you'll be in that museum and you'll, you'll be thinking, who knew they made guns that look like art? Some of them are art pieces and they're old, old, old firearms and they're in they're in the the, the museum there. And so I, I I just point that out to say if you need the retail experience, Bass Pro Shops is probably your spot. But if you're like me and efficiency is key, you know, online retailers have eaten up whatever whatever space there was between what you could get at Dick's and what you could get online, that is no more. So you can just do whatever you want. And you don't have to worry about shopping at a place where the guy is openly hostile to you even existing, which it sounds like he really he didn't appreciate you asking him. But you were asking about your investment, which he should have appreciated.
4: Right. I mean, that's the thing. When you're an investor, when you own stock in the company, they have these shareholder meetings every year. They have to have them. And it's your ability. You have the, the um, right to and ask questions and put these CEOs on the spot, or if they're doing something really good, to pat them on the back and make sure that they know that they have your support. And we've done both at the National Center through the FEP. We've been trying to uh, bolster um, companies to adhere to the free market values that make them great, that make them successes, And in these cases, call them out when they're doing things that are antithetical to, the, to a sound business model And in this case, virtue signaling for the left.
3: Mm.
1: Well, I'm glad you're doing that work. And uh, it sounds like you triggered him totally, which means a a job well done. Congrats. (laughs) David (laughs) Almazi, president of National Center. Thank you for joining us today. Great to talk. Thanks for having me on. All right. Talk to you again soon. So we'll be back with more uh, right after this. Stay there. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. As if college students aren't already totally triggered, George Washington University hosted a workshop for students and faculty on the unmerited perks and favors showered upon white Christians, which are unavailable to everyone else. The Multicultural Student Services Center wants to teach minority students they are dupes. Meaningless buzzwords like ally, unconscious bias, and microaggression were employed for this purpose. The Bible is very clear that we are indeed privileged to be the beneficiaries of Jesus Christ's great work on the cross. We are also called to suffer with him, which is a privilege. Christianity is open to everyone, period. Wouldn't it be great if GWU got out of the business of oppressor talk and back to teaching higher ed? Because that is what the parents of those students are paying tuition for. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com.
0: Listen to Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on Urban Family Talk.
1: She's sharp. I mean, did you hear that? Pointed. Remember that you're not only a Christian on Sunday.
0: And insightful.
1: Deception and lies have been accepted as the norm from the Democrats.
0: But most of all, she's on the right.
1: That scripture from the Bible that says the heart of the fool inclines to the left just <laughs> kept popping into my mind.
0: Stacy on the Right, now heard weekday afternoons from 2 to 4 Central on Urban Family Talk
3: family is an institution set forth by God, one man and one woman for life, with the outflow being children produced by that union. It's obvious to all that there is an attack on the family in our country, and especially on fathers. Whether it's the cycle of sin that persists in our families or the pressure from our government to exclude men from being intimately involved, the strategic battle is on for the souls of men. Join us in the battle to strengthen fatherhood UrbanFamilyTalk.com.
0: Why does AFA keep harping on the dangers of the Netflix show 13 Reasons Why? It's because we've looked into the eyes of the mother of a teen suicide victim. Patrice Bright was mom to a normal, happy 14-year-old cheerleader dealing with the challenges any teenager faces. But her outlook on life was apparently darkened after she binge-watched season one of 13 Reasons Why. Anna Bright chose to deal with her temporary teen problems with the permanent act of suicide. Several other teens and young adults have made the same choice after watching this show, which glorifies suicide. The American Family Association and others have pointed out the dangers of the program to Netflix, but apparently motivated by money, Netflix has just released season two. Our hope is to save teen lives by getting Netflix to pull the series before another tragedy occurs. You can learn more and sign the 13 Reasons Why petition at afa.net. This is Stacy on the Right on Urban Family Talk. On these uh, children who are being separated from their families as they come across the border, uh, the Attorney General earlier today said that uh, somehow there's a justification for this in the Bible. Uh, Where does it say in the Bible that it's moral? Uh, to take children away from their mothers? Uh,
5: I'm not aware of the Attorney General's comments or uh, what he would be referencing. Uh, I can say that uh, it is very biblical to enforce the law. Uh, That is actually repeated a number of times throughout the Bible. However, this... uh, Hold on, Jim. If you'll let me finish. Uh, Again, I'm not going to comment on the attorney-specific comments that I haven't seen.
0: That's not what I
5: said, and I I know it's hard for you to understand. even short sentences, I guess, but and please don't take my words out of context. But the separation of illegal fam- alien families is the product of the same legal loopholes that Democrats refuse to close. And these laws are the same that have been on the books for over a decade. And the president is simply enforcing them.
0: Policy to take children away from their parents. Can you imagine the policy that they must be going through when they come across the border, they're with their parents, and then suddenly they're pulled away from their parents? Why is the government? doing this?
5: Because it's the law and that's what the law states. Not, and the law. The law. You you were, don't
0: have to do that. It's, it's, you're it's right. Your it policy. doesn't
5: have to be the law. And the president has actually called on Democrats in Congress to fix those loopholes. The Democrats have failed to come to the table, failed to help this president close these loopholes and fix this problem. We don't want this to be a problem. The president has tried to address it a number of occasions. We've laid out a proposal and Democrats simply refuse to do their job and fix the problem.
1: So uh, welcome back to the show. Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Have you ever heard any one of those reporters say, oh, come on, Jim, you just insulted Sarah. Come on, this one or that one. Don't yell at her. Let her finish her statement. They never defend Sarah Huckabee Sanders, but someone had the audacity to try to defend Jim Acosta, who is a routine offender in that room, someone who shouldn't have a press pass because she said maybe you can't understand short sentences. Oh, so while we're out, while the outrage meter is up high, let's go ahead and address this whole thing with uh, Kathy Griffin attacking Kevin Hart. So if you're not on Twitter, God bless you because you're living your best life. But for the rest of us who are, we saw that Kathy Griffin was in an interview. Uh, She had this USA Today interview. She's trying to rejuvenate her career. She's learned nothing from holding up a representation of the decapitated head of the president of the United States. She's learned nothing from what happened to her for that. She says, you know, if you come to see my show, because she's promoting this. She she wants to go back on tour and she wants to have sold out audiences and, you know, play venues. And this is what comedians do. She's telling people that might be thinking about buying her tickets. Hey, you know what? Um, If you come see my show. I'm going to talk about how much I hate Donald Trump. And that's a part of the show. So you need to be ready to hear it. She described her deeply partisan jokes as a necessity. She has to do them in today's political climate. This is according to her. But then instead of just owning her own madness and saying, you know, if you want crazy, if, you're, if you have Trump derangement syndrome, come see me. I have it too. I'll make you laugh or I'll make you wish you were laughing. She says, you know, the problem is, Here's the quote. And look, if you want to not hear about Trump at all, go see Kevin Hart as if he needs her endorsement. He doesn't even mention Trump. I personally think that's a female anatomy move because he's a black man. But I guess he's selling more tickets than I ever will. So here's what I have to say to Kathy Griffin about that. Yes, he is. If you heard him voice over that deranged bunny rabbit in that cartoon movie, and you're like me, when I want to laugh, if I want to laugh instantly, mindlessly, I just go to YouTube and I type in Kevin Hart as the bunny rabbit and <laughs> clips of him as that bunny come up and I watch it and I giggle like a maniac and then go on about my business. Anyone who can make me do that, every time he makes a movie, I'm going to go see it. In his movies, he's very clean. Now, I know in his comedy, he uses a lot of profanity, pretty typical, but that's, that's not for me. His comedy routine is not for me, but these movies with the cartoons that are family friendly that me and my husband and the kids can watch together absolutely have we ever said oh you know what you you know what kids you know what you, we need to watch some Kathy Griffin no and we never will because she's not talented so while she's still on the d list which was the name of her reality show by the way Kevin Hart is on the a list his trajectory is unlimited he's in the stratosphere right now earning more money than ever he likes to say he's the hardest working man hardest working comedian uh, and, and he likes to work hard because he, everybody wants to be rich, but nobody wants to do the work. That's actually on his Twitter feed, by the way. That man is interested in selling movie tickets, selling tickets to his shows. And he understands that there's his comedy shows where he can do the profanity, but he stays away from the politics. Do you know why? Because he respects green backs. Now, I always say to people who um, they, they're OK with mistreating their their employees You may mistreat a person because they look a certain way, act a certain way, whatever, whatever your bias is, but their money is still green. Their credit card still swipes. If you don't want me to swipe my credit card at your store, I'll go swipe it somewhere else. There's a store here in St. Louis that I absolutely love. But when I would go in there, the women in that store would not treat me properly. And so I haven't shopped there and I'm coming up on a year. Does that matter to them? Maybe not. But it matters to me because I can put my money someplace else where people are going to be nice to me in the store they don't have to follow me around and carry my purse, but I don't want them treating me like dirt. They're not going to get my money if they do that. And that's what Kathy Griffin does to the people who listen to our comedy shows. She treats them like dirt. She dumps off all of her angry feelings. She treats it like a psychotherapy session, only she's not paying them, they're paying her. Why would anybody go back for more of that? And the worst thing about what she says here, um, I really think it's a female anatomy move because he's a black man. dare she she's not a black man how dare she dictate what he has to do because he's black you want me to tell you why because she's a liberal and liberals think they own black people it's just as if the the actual physical slavery that existed when slavery was the law in this country still exists only now it's slavery of the mind and when blacks don't come to heal and obey the democratic orthodoxy They have to be publicly smacked verbally. They have to be told to get in their place. And this is the equivalent of Kathy Griffin saying, I'm your overseer, Kevin Hart. Get in your place. Your place is to criticize Donald Trump because he's a racist and you're black. And you have a huge platform and you're not doing it and you're not taking the licks like I am. And so I want to call you out. And every time you hear that, I want you to hear that metaphorical crack of the whip because it is a actual Thought process that she's trying to exact upon him, and the fact that he's living freely and he doesn't seem to care about Donald Trump, the fact that most of us don't know if he loves or hates Donald Trump, that's the point. I don't want to know what entertainers think about our elected officials, because if I wanted to know what people think about elected officials, I will go find a politician or a political commentator, a pundit, a talking head, an author, someone who spent time researching, someone who holds the opposing view, but I respect them anyway and I'll get that information from them. But when I'm looking for comedy or somebody to voice over cartoons, I'm not interested in what their politics are. Kevin Hart seems to understand that, and he's interested in making money, being successful. And what Kathy Griffin should do, instead of hating on him and getting out her liberal overseer whip of authority, she should actually just take some time off and sit at home and get some therapy, get, get, get right within herself, like herself, And then start writing some real comedy, which I'm sorry, but it takes a lot of work. It takes work to be successful at being a comedian. There are a lot of people who are naturally funny, but naturally funny won't get you on huge stages with enormous sold out crowds and it won't make you famous. She lists in her bio that she's written, uh, mayor. Oh, I can't say that on the air. Two time Emmy and Grammy award winning comedian, two time New York Times bestselling author, 23 TV specials. So with all that under her belt, she shouldn't have to be lobbing verbal bombs at someone who's way more successful than she is. She shouldn't have to do that. But she did. And it makes her a loser. So every time you hear a Democrat talking about how some black person should be doing this or that, remember, the Democrats are the ones who say that Donald Trump is a racist. They say that I hate myself because I'm not a Democrat. The Democrats are the ones that are constantly beating black people over the head, telling them what they have to think, what they have to believe, how they have to talk, what they have to violate that's biblical, that they're going to church on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday, they have to believe all this democratic orthodoxy that flies in the face of what the Bible says. It's not Republicans who are telling black people to do that, it's Democrats. And every time they do it, I want you to think about the overseer's whip. You can hear it cracking every time. Kathy Griffin opens her mouth to talk about Kevin Hart. She actually thinks she owns him and his ideas and that at her direction, he should change his comedy routines and bend to her will because she's a liberal and she's taken one for the team and he's black. And if that doesn't enrage you and incense you and make you absolutely sure that you don't want someone trying to control what you think, then you're not paying attention. You should be outraged. I don't care what kind of tan you're sporting. Permanent, no tan, in between. Every person should bristle at the idea that in America, one person of a political ideology feels they have control over some person. I don't even know if Kathy Griffin has ever met Kevin Hart. And here's the cake taker about Kathy Griffin. If I were to ever meet her and say, I am on a show called Stacy on the right. She would ask me, does that mean you're on the right side of the political aisle? And then she'd say I'm an Uncle Tom, that I hate myself. She'd call me the female anatomy. She'd say that I am acting to hurt black people by supporting Republicans. And she would feel justified in saying all of that because as a Democrat, she has every right to lecture me as a black person about how I think, what I feel, what I what I do for my work, all of that stuff. She absolutely would feel justified in doing that. Now, she would absolutely receive a verbal tongue lashing back, and she would be instantly educated about how wrong she is, thinking she can control other people's minds, but it wouldn't make a difference to her because she feels justification and validation in being a Democrat that she can tell black people how to think and how to live. And that's why she'll be sitting at home on the weekend or she'll be playing a show that's not even close to sold out while Kevin Hart is working on his next movie project and earning tens of millions of dollars for it. The difference is he's worried about himself and she's worried about controlling black people. And that's a recipe for disaster. So I want to get to, before the end of the show today, because it's Friday and we have such heavy news, um, like so much news. And I, I won't get to everything, but we'll hold some of this over for Monday. So you, one of the news stories that is not reaching uh, out because of the IG report, but it is huge, is... The immigration compromise that has amnesty for the dreamers and billions for the wall. So remember, Donald Trump said he was willing to sign almost anything for the dreamers as long as he got the twenty five billion dollars he needs to erect the wall on the southern border. That was a deal I thought the Democrats couldn't pass up. They have been taking a beating in the, uh, you know, the the wars for advertising because the the Republicans have already taken off and said, look, Democrats don't care about y'all. They don't care about immigrants. They don't care about illegal immigrants because they had a chance to save the DACA recipients, and they didn't take it. So now they're trying to craft something, although it's not the Democrats, it's the Republicans, so that they can get this story about children of illegal aliens being ripped from them out of the news. It's a total lily-livered move, but they're going for it. So you've got breaking news today. The Associated Press tweeted out—actually, um, they tweeted it yesterday. House GOP draft immigration bill includes visas for Dreamers and other immigrants and a $25 billion for the border wall. The visas would be renewables. Uh, The people who received them would have to have been in the country for 10 years and uh, have been under the age of 16 when they were brought in. But the number of people who would be eligible under this particular proposal is three times the number. So three times, basically 9 million people would be eligible under this thing than the original number that were going to be eligible under the previous proposal, which allowed for about 3,700 illegal aliens to have something. So... The child immigrants would be—this bill would outlaw separating children from their parents when crossing the border illegally. Uh, It would put $25 billion towards Trump's wall along the southern border, as well as other border security measures. Asylum would—it would be harder for asylum claims to be approved, requiring officials to determine that the claims of the asylum seekers are true. National Guard would be authorized to assist in border security, including building the barriers themselves. And family migration, this, this proposal eliminates green card programs for married children of U.S. citizens as well as siblings of U.S. adult citizens, transferring those 88,400 green cards to a new merit-based program. The diversity, diversity lottery would be eliminated, um, saving 55,000 visas towards the merit-based program, and it would eliminate per-country caps for employment-based green cards. My gut tells me the Democrats will not go for this because it's too much like the original 3 pillar deal that President Trump proposed. But it is actually kind of genius to put it forward to get it on the record right before uh, the campaign season fully develops out. So, so much more to share. But guess what? It's the weekend. I'm checking out of this thing. God bless you. Great to be with you. See you on Monday.